So you have a drink? Heck yeah. (laughs) I drink normally Thursday to Sunday, and then I don't typically drink Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I can get pretty buzzed on two these days, but I had five on Friday night and was hungover the whole of Saturday. Well, I never skull a beer, but that first beer I'd always go really quick on. Like I'd do it in less than 30 seconds, I reckon, and it's just gone bang. What? It just tasted so good. It does taste so good, but... Research shows Australian women are drinking more than ever. The biggest drinkers are women in their middle age, many of whom are well-educated, working and raising families. So women like me. And I don't want to freak you out, but women like you. For the love of God, open the wine. (laughs) (laughs) Cheers. Cheers. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers. Can I tell you something I've noticed? Whenever I've expressed my concern about how much I drink, people shut it down. If I say, wow, I might need to sort this out, friends are like, you don't have a problem, you're fine. Family who love me, they laugh at the idea. They're all saying, hey, you're fine. Because if my drinking's not fine, what does that say about their drinking? My name is Yumi Steins, and ladies, we need to talk about booze. For many of us, a drink at the end of the day is one of life's great pleasures. It's how we reward ourselves. Oh, my God, Yumi, that cheese. Is that, did you? No. Yeah, is it good? It's really good. So I'm sitting at my kitchen table with some of the ladies' team and a couple of girlfriends for an after-work drink. They're all having wine. I'm having tea. We'll talk more about why I'm not drinking later. So, Jess, what's your favourite drink? So that was producer Claudine Ryan, and she's asking Jess Binneth about her drinking habits. Like, how often does she have a drink? I like a big glass of red. Not every day, but four out of seven days. I kind of like decide on the way home, and it's not usually more than two at a time, but it's usually like a tall glass. So it's like the the putting the line under your day. Yeah, and it's definitely like you've had a big day and therefore you've kind of earned it. Two drinks a day, a few times a week. I know loads of women who drink this much without a qualm. So I wanted to find out more about what exactly it means. I suppose if we all close our eyes and imagine what does somebody with a drinking problem look like? This is Sally Hunt. She's a psychologist and alcohol researcher. I think we have a fairly clear picture of somebody at one end of the spectrum having a couple of symptoms like craving, Mm -hmm. uh, withdrawal, tolerance, which means you're able to drink a lot more to get the same effect that you used to get before. And then at the other end, you might have the picture of someone who drinks in moderation, who doesn't appear to have a problem, who is quite capable of going without a drink. And then there's a whole grey range in between of people whose drinking maybe is, is heading down a more dangerous or hazardous path. That hazardous path. We're going to get to that. But first, I want to talk to you about that grey area. Because just about every woman I know has a drinking habit that places her firmly in that spot. You know, I think we've all, or many of us, have Mm. had an experience of going, oh, just need a drink. And we know what that feels like when we've had a stressful day and we have a drink and we feel better and we think, yep, that's what I needed. That hit the spot. Sally is interested in why women drink, especially us mums. 
And so I try not to um, pontificate about, you know, well, you should do this and you should do that because I'm not the expert in that person's life. Mm. And I think people respond well when we say, yeah, I can see that you've got 15 different roles that you're working in. You're a mother, you're a daughter, you're a sister, you've got a job, you've got a partner, you've got other responsibilities that you're looking after. Of course you're overwhelmed. And alcohol, it sounds like, is one of the things that you might be using to cope with that overwhelm. What other tools have you got in your toolkit? And if we think about when is alcohol problematic, I'd be thinking about people who say, oh, actually, I don't have many other tools in my toolkit. Right. Alcohol's about it. Or I'm finding that I'm depending on alcohol more and more, or I'm using alcohol to cope with those stresses more and more. When we see that narrowing of interests and activities and resources and coping styles, then I'm starting to wonder if alcohol is becoming a problem. I've heard it explained, you know, you've had a really rough day and then you just want to switch into calm down mode, particularly if the Mm. kids have gone to sleep, right? So you finally got them off to bed. The fastest way you can get into relaxation mode is to have a drink. Absolutely. I think that's one of the most common reasons for drinking that I hear women talk about. That sense of, I don't have too many pleasures in my life. I've worked all day or I've been at home with the kids. They're finally in bed. I've got a a skerrick of me time before it all starts again. Mm. And having a drink's a really um, convenient, easy. And I would dare say having one or two drinks every afternoon is a fairly socially acceptable way for women to unwind. Sally, have you got thoughts on why... Mothers in particular are so vulnerable to excessive drinking. I think we've got a generation at the moment who are absolutely at this junction between having been raised seeing women drinking around them and thinking, oh, okay, drinking's okay, drinking's something that I can do without too many immediate social problems. I can go into a pub and order a drink and no one looks at me sideways. Mm. And now they're, they're in this new role of motherhood, perhaps, where they're then finding all these pressures and stresses. And you need go no further than Facebook to see those memes with images of, you know, mummy's little helper and Mother's Day gifts that are bottles of wine themed around motherhood mm. and, and all of these sorts of messages, which are saying to women, not only is it acceptable for you to drink, in fact, you deserve it. Yeah. And it's the only coping strategy a lot of people are exposed to. Um, and I can appreciate somebody being at home they're maybe geographically stuck. They can't leave the kids in bed and go and go for a walk or go and do something else. They may have financial pressures where drinking is a reasonably inexpensive way of coping with with the other stresses that they have. And so it seems like a fairly obvious and unfortunately socially acceptable way for them to cope. Mm. From my personal experience, you can still parent while you're drinking too. So you, mm. you're sort of still working. You're basically still at the grindstone and rewarding yourself at the same time. You know, And, you know, our society judges women so harshly for so many things that sometimes you wonder, how can can you win? You know, have you got everything organised for the next day? Have you provided a nutritious, balanced meal for your children? Have you Hmm. thought about the long-term consequences of everything that you're saying and doing? Have you provided for them financially? It's it's this overwhelming cloud of um, worries and concerns that, that a number of women carry because I truly believe that the women I talk to anyway are doing the best they can Mm. and they're trying so hard to please, they're squeezed (laughs) from every side. Um, And as you said, they can drink. They can drink while they're cooking dinner. They can drink while the kids are in the bath. It's convenient and it's easy and it's something that they can do at home without judgment. Tell me about this thing uh, about how you get women to talk about the amount that they drink. It's really important that people don't feel judged. So coming at those conversations from a position of respect and empathy and appreciation for what 
the person you're speaking with is going through. A, a little trick that I've used in the past is to ask people to go home, get your the, the wine glass that you would typically drink from, fill it to the level you'd typically fill it with water, mm-hmm. and then tip that into a measuring jug and see how much you're actually pouring each time you pour a drink. And without fail, women would come back the next session and say, I had no idea. That was one and a half, two, sometimes more standard drinks in their typical glass, what they were thinking of as one drink. Yeah, if you ordered a glass of wine at a restaurant and they poured you 100 mils, you'd look yeah. at it and go, hey, you're <laughs> where's ri- the rest? Yeah, you're ripping me off. Sally, can I ask you a personal question? Do you drink yourself? Occasionally. I, uh, I don't drink a lot. I actually have migraines. So I find if I have more than two glasses of wine, I've got a migraine by the end of the second glass. But I tell you what I do, mm. which I can recognise with small kids, <laughs> is in the same ballpark, is I eat chocolate. Ah. And the kids go to bed and I'm like, where's the chocolate? <laughs> but it's the, the thinking around that is the same. It's I need, a, for me anyway, it's mm. a little bit of me. Yeah. I'm going to carve out a bit of me out of this day that has been dedicated to everybody else mm-hmm. and all of the other responsibilities. And you're going to carve um, a big hole in that lint uh, exactly, chocolate bar. Exactly, a big <laughs> me-shaped hole in that, t- in that <laughs> packet of scorched almonds. <laughs> That little trick that Sally Hunt mentioned that she uses to help educate her clients about how much they're actually drinking, well, Claudine and I decided to try it out back at my place. So we're going to drink some wine, some red wine in a minute. And do you know how many drinks are in this bottle? Like, take a guess. Like five? Five? Yeah, what do you reckon? Six? It's nearly nine. Nine? (laughs) When we're talking about the number of drinks in that bottle of Malbec, we're talking about standard drinks. One standard drink is 10 grams of alcohol, and that's going to look different depending on what you're pouring. Confusing, I know, but basically those two glasses of wine are actually probably closer to three, possibly four. This matters because Australia has some really well-researched guidelines that say if you drink most days, you should stop at two. Any more than two and you increase your risk of certain cancers and a bunch of other health issues down the track. They also say you should never have more than four standard drinks in any one session. So when I'm at the pub and, like, they pour a glass of wine and there's that little line on the glass, is that a standard drink? I think that's 1.5 standard drinks. See, I don't know. What I it. thought that was a standard drink. I think that's a standard drink. Even if you said 100 mils, I don't know what that looks like. Do you know what a tablespoon looks like? Yes. Five of those. But not a tablespoon that you eat with, a tablespoon that you bake with. All right, I'm going to do that in your glass now, because that sounds like, that sounds bloody miserable. For <laughs> <laughs> okay, that test is not a great party trick. It is actually a way to kill a party. So what do we do with this information? I asked Sally. And I'm really cautious not to be too alarmist and to have people running off saying, I've I've had three drinks, I've got a problem. But from a psychological standpoint, I think it's important that we consider why you're drinking and we ask whether or not um, having those two glasses of wine four or five times a week um, is something that you're doing because it's habit, if it's something that you're doing as a coping strategy, or is it something that you're doing quite mindfully, that you enjoy the flavour of the wine, that you can um, have it some days and not have it other days and it doesn't bother you. So we need to really, um, on a case-by-case basis, understand what's happening for that person. The tablespoon test is wasted on me because I'll be honest, when I'm drinking, we're not talking tablespoons. It's easily six or seven beers in a session. 
And it's here that we leave behind the grey area Sally was talking about and actually start walking down the hazardous path. I want to tell you about why these days I'm drinking tea, not beer, and joining me is Jo Beck. You know, quite often I set out in the morning in the shower saying to myself, I'm not going to drink tonight, don't have anything to drink tonight. And sort of, I'll go jo lives in a coastal town in New South Wales. She's at uni, working three part-time jobs and raising two kids. And for a long time, alcohol was how she coped with stress. It's also how she rewards herself for being a kick-ass single mum. Jo Beck and I are similar in a lot of ways. And I can't tell you how much of a relief it is to be able to talk about drinking with someone who believes me when I say that I think it's serious. Like me... She started drinking in her early teens. Her dad was an alcoholic. He supplied her first drink at a Chinese restaurant on her 14th birthday. And that's the thing. You're a teenager, right? So at 14 years old, you're not sitting there sipping, thinking, oh, this is the first step into a destructive lifelong habit. You're just having fun. You're experimenting, maybe being a little bit naughty. But like me, Jo had continued the habit well into adulthood. I asked if her pregnancies made her reevaluate her relationship with booze. No, I think it wasn't until after sort of the sense of responsibility of becoming a parent. It was like, you know, I can't write myself off mm. and be like this. And that's when I started to notice it really wasn't a very healthy thing at all in my life. And yet you still continued after that? Yeah. Yeah, that's, I guess, the nature of addiction is that you really want to stop, but you find it very, very hard too. Yeah, I know. I know all about it, actually. So tell us where you're at now. What What is an average day like for you? Um, well, I don't drink every day. Um, but on, on the days that I do drink, you know, quite often I set out in the morning in the shower saying to myself, I'm not going to drink tonight. Don't have anything to drink tonight. Just watch TV with the kids or go for a run or do something else. And sort of I'll go to uni, uh, you know, I go to work and I after school pick up the kids and get in the house we do homework and it sort of gets to about 4 4 30 that I think okay I might just have one you know I've had mm. a, you know I've got 80 percent on that assignment that's a really good thing you deserve a glass of wine or I had a really crap day at work today I you know I'll just have one drink and I'll go and get a bottle of wine and by 7 30 that bottle's gone a lot of drinking, I find, it happens at people's houses too. It's sort of yeah. a, bit, a bit more private or something. Yeah. Yeah, well, for me, being a single mum, you know, most of the time when I drink, I'm at home alone. It's not like I, I need somebody there, you know, but at the same time, if a girlfriend comes around with a bottle of wine, I, I can't remember the last time I said, oh, no, thanks, I'm not drinking tonight. Besides your pregnancies, what's the longest you've been without a drink? A month. Every, maybe not every year, every couple of years, I do like a dry July type thing. Mm, yeah. And, you know, I sleep better, I feel better, uh, my skin glows, I lose a little bit of weight, you know, you, you feel focused. It's like there, there's, there's not a single non-positive amongst <laughs> all of it. It's crazy that it doesn't last any longer than that, but... You know, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, can't wait till the first, come on, first of all, first, mm. here we go. And without a doubt, every single time I've done it, come the first of August, you know, I'm vomiting, Ooh. you know, 8am on the second, without a doubt. It, that need to get drunk gets stronger, yeah. A lot of um, people with drinking problems talk about a rock bottom 
moment, you know, when they sort of, they're like, God, I don't know if I can recover from the damage that I've done, either like social damage or spiritual damage. You know, for me, sleeping with someone, you know, someone gross that I never would have slept with if I was sober, That's that, that was a measure for me. I mean, I'm married now, so that, that was pre-marriage. But, you know, could you describe one of the worst rock-bottom moments that you've had with your drinking? Yeah, well, I, I was sort of semi-dating this guy and we decided to meet. He lived sort of away from Port Macquarie. So we decided to meet in Foster, which was about halfway between him and I. And, you know, he booked a hotel and, you know, we both got quite drunk and sort of went out for dinner and sort of over dinner he sort of had just basically said to me that dating women, you know, at our age, women just throw themselves at him and, of course, I was just instantly repelled. Mm. Um, But I was too drunk to drive the car home and I was an hour away from Port Macquarie and I was basically stuck in this hotel room with this man and I I remember thinking to myself, what, you know, I'm, I'm too old and too intelligent to be in a situation like this but I've put myself in this situation I sort of had to wait until I'd sobered up and I I just slept on the lounge and sort of waited until about four or five in the morning got up and drove home so yeah that that's just one there've been plenty of occasions where like even being really hung over the next day and vomiting in the shower and the kids coming in and and lying to the kids about you know why I'm vomiting and you just think you know, what sort of a parent am I? What sort of a person am I that, you know, this this happens? Mm. God, it's tough. Yeah. Have you ever been to an AA meeting? No, I haven't. I, I did go to like a drug and alcohol counsellor here and during our interactions when she was asking me about my my alcohol habits, you know, I told her that I drank a bottle of wine three or four times a week and she quite absentmindedly said oh god that's not very much we have people in here that you know drink a carton two cartons a night (laughs) which was great to hear that oh I'm not so bad but it was also like it gave me permission to drink more Mm. and that what I was doing wasn't bad enough for me the reason why I don't want to do AA is because I don't want to be completely abstinent I want to be able to go out you know for dinner and have a glass of wine and i I guess I'm slowly starting to realise that that's never, ever going to be a reality for me. I have to give up completely. Like Joe, I'm reluctant to make big announcements about my own drinking, like I quit and I'm never drinking again, or even I'm an alcoholic, because I quite like to imagine a world in which I can enjoy a beer or a lovely glass of rosé at a restaurant with friends. But I called Jo up to check in with how she's been going since we recorded that interview. It's been a while, actually, and we were putting the finishing touches on this episode. She says she's been attending AA meetings and hasn't had a drink in two months. And I'm really glad we talked because I'm here feeling pretty raw and kind of embarrassed, confessing that I've been stone cold sober since January because, like Jo, when I drink, I just don't know how to stop. As always, ladies, we need to talk to you. 
So get in contact via ladies at abc.net.au. And if you want more of us, we've got bonus episodes available exclusively on the ABC Listen app, which allows you to download or listen live to really great ABC content wherever you are, whenever you want. While we're talking about apps, could you do me a favour and rate ladies or write a review in your favourite app? Thanks heaps. I'm Yumi Steins. We'll see you next time on Ladies, We Need to Talk. Thank you.